Cross Church. Glad that you're here today. You know, one of the uh, critiques about the modern church is they are overprogrammed and leave no room for God to work. Well, that is not true today. At 10.30 last night, I called or texted Jay, our executive pastor, and Shad, our experience director and worship pastor. And I said, uh, I feel like God's leading me to talk about something else. And so they changed one of the songs that they were planning on seeing. We're not going to show a video we were planning on showing so that I could share with you what I felt like God laid on my heart to share. And I have no idea how this is going to go with you. So if you're guests visiting with us today, surprise! <laughs> if you're watching online at solacechurch.com, just stay tuned. Before I share with you what is rather heavy on my heart, I thought it'd be appropriate to bring some levity to the conversation. This is rather corny, so if you chuckle or smile, that'll be appropriate. Only in America... Do drugstores make the sick walk all the way to the back of the store to get their prescriptions? While healthy people can buy cigarettes at the front. Only in America do people order double cheeseburgers, large fries, and a... Only in America do banks leave vault doors open and then chain the pins to the counters. <laughs> Only in America do we leave cars worth thousands of dollars in the driveway and put our useless junk in the garage. Only in America do we buy hot dogs in packages of ten and buns in packages of eight. Have you ever wondered why women can't put on mascara with their mouth closed? (laughs) Have you ever wondered why you don't ever see the headline, Psychic Wins Lottery? (laughs) Ever wondered why abbreviated is such a long word? ever wondered why is it that doctors call what they do practice? Have you ever wondered why the man who invests all your money is called a broker? (laughs) Have you ever wondered why there isn't mouse-flavored cat food? (laughs) 
I think I'll end there. (laughs) There are things in life that make you go, hmm. There, There are things in life on the philosophical, spiritual, and intellectual level that make you wonder, that make you question, that make you go, hmm. Let me give you some that I just jotted down that are heavy on my heart. I've come up with my own list. It's called, How Is It Not Obvious? Maybe it will go viral. How is it not obvious that there is a God? Follow me on this one. How is it not obvious that if the clinical definition of death or to be declared dead is the irreversible cessation of all function of the entire brain? How is it not obvious then that we shouldn't at least set the standard of being fully alive When the brain begins to function. And in case you didn't know, the nervous system is one of the first formations that takes place in the life of a child. And it happens in that early embryonic stage of development. How is it not obvious that a man and a man do not belong together sexually? How is it not obvious that men do not belong in the women's restroom? From a Christian worldview, those things seem to be self-evident. And yet we live in a world where those things aren't self-evident. You look around and you are... You are trying to reconcile what you see as clear and logical and sensical. And yet many, many other people do not see as you see. What do you do with that? How do you reconcile those two worlds? I, I love to point out inconsistencies in arguments. I believe that's God's gift through me to the world. So I posted on Facebook, many of you liked or commented, and this was what you liked or commented towards. This is what I posted. I am contemplating suing a certain theme park for discrimination. My son is 42 inches tall But inside he feels 52 inches tall. He was told he could not ride certain rides at this theme park because he did not meet the height requirements of 52 inches, even though he feels 52 inches tall. Do I have a legal case? Several people responded, but one response specifically caught my attention. 
It was from Molly. I know Molly. I love Molly and respect Molly. This isn't the first time that we've dialogued on Facebook. This is what she wrote. Arrogant. Contemptuous. Arrogant. Dismissive. Juvenile. Overall disgusting rhetoric. Get yourself out into reality, Christian soldiers. Have a conversation with a transgendered human and hear what they have to say. The issues they are facing are heartbreaking. To which I replied, Molly, it's interesting to me that you aren't sympathetic to my son. He was very upset about what happened to him. Why the selective outrage? She didn't like that. Molly replied, You've got to be kidding. I'm out. My reply to her, Molly, who told you that I'm not out in the world loving people who are transgendered? This morning, as I was reviewing that exchange, I noticed that one of Molly's family members posted, On that thread as well. Haley, who I also know and love and respect, posted this. Matt Blair, I love you and your church. But the way you are speaking to my grandmother as if she is a child throwing a fit really bothers me. Also, the fact that you have the audacity as an adult to compare your child's adorable feelings to a transgendered person's safety bothers me. I hope... That you, a loving Christian man who believes in the same loving and accepting God that I do, can open your heart a bit more and leave the judgment to God himself. To which I replied, Haley, how are you? After a few other niceties, I turned to her question. To your point about Molly, I love and respect her. I was simply pointing out That an inconsistency in the argument for suggesting that self-identity, regardless of biology or physiology, should matter more than biology or physiology is on full display right now. I also wasn't suggesting that the struggle that transgendered people are, are having isn't real. Did you have a chance to read Molly's reaction to my post? Look at the words she used to describe me. How in our society... How is it in our society that we cannot point out these kinds of clear inconsistencies without being labeled all kinds of terrible things? Molly truly has no idea what I do every day in my position as a pastor. I have the privilege of walking through just about every possible scenario you can think of, and I do it with as much grace and truth as I can. I do not believe that as I love people in the midst of the mess of life, that I cannot also point out glaring inconsistencies in the arguments they make. It's actually very unloving not to give people a chance to see those inconsistencies. And how is it that Molly isn't loving and accepting of my positions and beliefs? How is it that she is justified in being unloving and unaccepting to me? Seems like another glaring contradiction. haven't heard back you're welcome to follow it on Facebook if you would like to watch further exchanges (laughs) 
We live in a world where the philosophy of the day is gender based on biology or physiology is not as important as what I feel. Maybe you had the chance to see the short video online of the five foot eight white guy who went to the college campus and asked some of the students about this, 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 this dynamic that we're facing. And they all, for the most part, all that he inter- interviewed, agreed that identifying as a woman, even though you're a man, is perfectly normal and acceptable. And so he suggested to them, what if I told you I was a six foot five Chinese woman? Now I want you to think about what has to take place. To be consistent now, and the college student time after time conceded this, to be consistent, they had to accept that his position of feeling six foot five and Chinese and a woman is equally okay. It seems rational to look at the man and say, you're 5'8 and Caucasian. But it's not in our society today. So what do you do with that? What's going on? And what should the Christian response be in light of this? I was talking with my brother about this just a few days ago, and we were discussing the apologetics night, and we were talking again about his his own personal testimony of how he went through a period of time of struggling with belief in God. And he shared with me something I think is critical to understanding what we're facing today. He said to me, Matt, when I, when I was processing all the arguments for the existence of God and reading much of the material written by atheists or agnostics about why they did not believe in God, I really had a struggle internally. And he said to me, as he, as he began to consider the implications of there being no God, his words, there was, there was a fog that began to just kind of exist around my thinking. It's a powerful picture to consider. There was a fog around his thinking. Why? Because when he considered rejecting the idea of God, it clouded his thinking. I want you to think about those words in light of what Romans chapter 1 says. It won't be on your screen. I'll just read it to you. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is dealing with this very issue. And before Christian, we get all worked up about what's taking place in our society today. Paul in Romans chapter 1 is not writing to deal with the target incident. He's writing to first century Christians in light of Roman thought, in light of secular thought that was present in the first century. 
In other words, what's taking place in our society today is not new. It just simply represents the reality that happens when someone ignores the very reality of God. So watch what happens in the text. Verse number 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you see the cloud? Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie they and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this... God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind, the fog. To do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness. Evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do the very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Those aren't my words. They are Paul's inspired by God. One of the things that I think Haley might miss about the nature of God is that God is loving but not always acceptable of us in our current state of sin. That's why Jesus is so necessary. What's taking place before our very eyes, and it's not new is that when you reject God, there is a fog that exists around your thinking so that rational, sensical, logical thought is very difficult to come by. So what do we do about that? Well, one of the things that I think that many people are asking Christians to do. And Molly represents part of this, at least in this post on my Facebook page. They're asking the, the Christian to love and accept... And not to speak into the inconsistencies. Right now. 
I completely reject that that's the picture of Christianity from Scripture. And let me tell you why. I absolutely believe that it is correct and right for Christians to love people no matter what their circumstances, no matter what their belief, no matter what their actions. We are called to love people in whatever circumstances they find themselves in. For that is exactly how God loved us in our sin. But what is not true, and I pointed this out to Haley, what is not true is that we should not be shedding light into the darkness of that thinking. Let me tell you what happens when you shed light into darkness. People run from the light. Let me give you a perfect example of this in your own world. When you've been asleep all night long and it's dark in your room, one of the worst ways to be awakened from that sleep is for someone to come in and flip the light on and the full brightness of that light to shine right into your eyes. What do you do when that takes place? You grimace, you throw something, you cover your head up so that you can be in darkness. Why? Because the, the initial reaction to light is to grimace from it, not run to it. But I want you to understand this morning, church, I believe it is unloving not to turn the lights on. The light must be turned on regardless of the response of the lights. That's why I'm committed as your pastor to making sure that we consistently, consistently speak into the darkness that exists within our world. Well, that's pretty much what I felt like God told me to tell you. You don't you don't have to clap. What do you do with that? I want you to know this. I sincerely love Molly. I am so thankful God has placed her in my life. You see, the truth is, I genuinely, sincerely love people. And it does not matter what circumstances they find themselves in. I am willing to walk through whatever that brokenness, that mess, that issue, that challenge may be. God, through Jesus, was willing to walk through and care for and take care of my own sin and my own brokenness. And I want to walk through as much as I possibly can with others. And if you're here this morning and you battle with, with some of the things we've talked about, maybe your battle might be this whole idea of having attraction to someone from the same sex. Maybe there are some in our room who's, who are battling with this idea of, trans, uh, of, of, of feeling you know, like you don't fit in the body that God gave you. Whatever your circumstances are, 
Maybe you're going through a difficult marriage. Maybe you're going through some other kind of brokenness. Maybe your sin doesn't look like someone else's sin, but it's, it's causing significant problems in your life. Wherever you are, I love you right where you are. But I love you too much to not speak truth into where you are. And I think as Christians, one of the things we can do and should do is to meet people where they are and to love them so much that seasoned with salt, we would offer them both grace and truth. One more, one more thing. Do you remember when I started the service, I said this, this wasn't a normal program today. You, you remember that? Well, we're not done. One more thing that we don't normally do that I want to invite you to consider. I know in a normal week, we give people a chance to come and, and pray, and I love that, and I hope that you'll take advantage of that on a regular basis. There's something about coming and kneeling and praying that's so, so good for the soul. If you've never tried it, I highly recommend it. As a matter of fact, here's what I thought we might do today. I was growing up, we had these, these things, and I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to define it, but the pastor would say something, or I don't, I don't even know how he got there, but he would, he would invite everyone down to pray. I know that's weird. I know that's weird. But we would all get up, most of us, we'd all get up, and we'd just come around the front, kneel at altars, and around the stairs, and on the pews, and, and then like all through the room, people would pray. And they prayed out loud. And I know, I, I know you came to modern church, maybe, to, maybe, the, maybe you came because you didn't want that anymore. Maybe like, here we go again. I, I understand and I, I know that this might be really weird for many of you. I get it. But since this has been a weird day, let's just make it fully weird. Can we do that? I mean, like, like start to finish weird. But that's okay, just, just for today. So here's what I want you to do, if you will. They're going to come and sing and they're going to lead us in a song. And I want to invite you to come and join me in prayer. I know what you want to do is boycott Target. I know. And I know what you want to do is to kind of just just scream and be mad and frustrated. But let's bring that let's bring that before God first and see what he would have us to do. So, Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? As they come, I'm going to make my way down to the steps to pray. And I would love for you to come and pray. Yes, even pray out loud. Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.